the spillover effects of conflict and how this could hamper South Sudan's growth. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. There's a saying, when your neighbor's house is on fire, you do not sit by and watch because your house could be next. South Sudan is that neighbor. While it is coming out of a protracted civil war that dampened its economic prospects, the neighboring countries have their hands full with skirmishes, protests and civil unrest. A cold doc, economic analyst based in Juba, South Sudan, analyzes this precarious situation for us and aptly asks, if your guarantors of the peace process have their hands full, will they pay attention to South Sudan's needs? The Republic of South Sudan is the world's youngest nation and it just it recently emerged from conflict. And in 2020, it signed an agreement between the government and the rival factions and formed a unity government that revitalized transitional government of national unity. But now South Sudan, as it veers towards stability, its neighbors are veering towards instability. Uh, in Sudan, uh, political instability that resulted in the overthrow of the former president, Umar Hassan al-Bashir, and created a civilian, civilian government which was then overthrown by the military faction has greatly affected South Sudan. South Sudan and Sudan's relation is very unique. South Sudan came from Sudan. And this relationship has greatly been of great importance to both countries. Number one, the biggest obstacle how Sudan's situation affects South Sudan is trade in logistics. Logistically, South Sudan's pipeline, export pipeline, goes through Sudan. And South Sudan exports is crude through uh, Sudan, through Port Sudan. So when there's political instability in Sudan, it affects South Sudan economically because South Sudan relies on over 90% of its budget from oil revenue, which in turn, uh, any any skirmishes in Sudan will affect South Sudan. Number two, agriculture commodities. Most of the traders in agriculture areas such as Arang and Awil and Molut have been hurt due to the uh, lack of markets. They usually produce their goods and due to logistical challenges, they export it to Sudan. But now, due to political instability, traders are not coming to buy key commodities such as sorghum, sesame, gum arabic, and crops. This is This is a big challenge. The biggest challenge in Ethiopia is the developmental challenges. South Sudan had a plan to uh, develop ports in Djibouti and develop alternative routes to import commodities and goods and export commodities and goods through the port of Djibouti. But the port of Djibouti is accompanied by a road through Ethiopia. And when Ethiopia has political instability and uh, civil war, it has affected South Sudan's plans to see these plans flourish. Congo is South Sudan's neighbor, and South Sudan shares a border with Congo. And Congo has the potential to be a great trading partner with South Sudan. And the biggest, the problem with Congo is Congo conflict in Congo will result in people displaced people coming to South Sudan from Congo. And as opposed to exporting its commodities, especially in the Western Equatorial State, which borders Congo, South Sudan has the potential to export key commodities such as vegetables, mangoes, maize. It's now going to be dealing with instability, dealing with the influx of refugees coming from Congo. So South Sudan is dealing with the skirmishes of its neighbors and it's affecting its economic process. Number one, economically, South Sudan will not be able to prosper and grow because it's a landlocked country and it relies heavily on its neighbors. Number two, politically, many of these countries were guarantors of the peace agreement that created the unity government. Sudan, Ethiopia, and Uganda were guarantors. Now Sudan and Ethiopia have their own issues. So if there's any issues inside the peace agreement, if the guarantors of the agreement have their own issues, are they going to prioritize this for South Sudan? So the biggest challenge is how can South Sudan prioritize 
its developmental initiatives, but still not be affected by the region. South Sudan is just a, na a nation coming out of conflict and it knows the challenges of conflict. Many South Sudanese refugees are now returning and they know the challenges of this. So when other countries go into conflict, South Sudan has the potential to be a mediator in these conflicts due to the fact that it knows the consequences of war, it knows the consequences of conflict. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. In Ethiopia, Fitch affirms credit rating at triple C as restructuring looms. Fitch ratings affirmed Ethiopia's long-term foreign currency issuer default rating at triple C. Fitch asserts that the triple C rating captures the elevated risk of a default event which may arise from the government's participation in the G20 Common Framework approach to debt flow restructuring. The rating agency voiced concern that the G20 process has stalled along with the extended credit facility negotiated in 2020 that provided additional financing. Fitch believes that these delays may reflect disagreements among Ethiopia's bilateral creditors as well as the ongoing civil conflict. Touching on the issue of civil conflict, Fitch asserts that the ongoing fighting highlights the domestic and regional political risks which pose threats to FDI and other external financing flows. The rating agency warns that the widening current account deficit will increase Ethiopia's gross external financing requirements over the next two years. Ethiopia had had to contend with the emergence of significant external financing gaps in recent years, and Fitch estimates that this challenge will be faced again in the near future. The rating agency places external debt servicing costs, that is, amortization and interest in 2021-2022 financial year, ending in June 2022 at $1.9 billion against authorities' estimates of $1.5 billion. Zambia expects an international monetary fund debt health check to be finalized this month to strike a restructuring deal with creditors by April and get a formal agreement with the fund signed off in May. In 2020, Zambia became the first pandemic-era sovereign default and it is buckling under a debt burden of more than 120% of gross domestic product. It reached a staff-level deal on a $1.4 billion three-year extended credit facility with the IMF in December and now wants to nail down a formal agreement. Sketching an ambitious timeline for the restructuring, the debt of Africa's biggest corporate producer, Mosuto Kwane, a minister for finance, says he expects the IMF's debt sustainability analysis, which forms the basis of the restructuring plans by the end of February, having to renegotiate its debt with a multitude of official and private sector creditors, Musoko Twane says he hopes to reach an understanding with them in March or maybe April, which would in turn pave way for a formal IMF argument. Now, the World Bank projects Rwanda's economic growth to expand to 7.2% in 2022 and 7.9% in 2023 in its 18th edition of the Rwanda Economic Update report launched yesterday. In the 17th edition of the country's economic update, the International Bank had projected Rwanda's economy to grow 5.1% in 2021, now revised upwards to 10%, 7% to 7.2% in 2022, and 7.2% downwards from 8.1% in 2023. The World Bank also projects Rwanda's inflation at 0.7% in 2021, 5.7% this year and 6.8% in 2023. The World Bank also warned 
that employment will remain depressed despite the strong recovery, adding that employment conditions have deteriorated strongly for women with the female unemployment rate now at 13.6 percent points higher than male unemployment rate at 7.7 percent points higher than than in the first quarter of 2020. The current account deficit fell to 11.4% of GDP in the first nine months of 2021, 1.5% points lower than in the same period of 2020. And a quick review of our markets. Foreign investors exit from the Kenyan market in 2021 recorded the fastest pace seen in the past three months. A new report by the Capital Markets Authority shows uh, investors prefer to move their investments to developed economies, with the exit being attributed to uncertainties around COVID-19. The panic sells pushed down share prices, particularly for banking and service sector companies whose profits suffered. The easing of the pandemic restrictions and the improvement of the economy last year, however, saw some investors making a comeback with interest focused on undervalued blue chip stocks. The Capital Markets Authority quarter four soundness report released this week shows net foreign equity outflows grew to 28.6 billion Kenya shillings last year compared to 10.23 billion Kenya shillings recorded in 2020, a 179.61% increase. It indicates that news of a new variants outbreak resulted in a 13.66% reduction in foreign investor participation in the equities market from October's 64.83% to November's 51.16%. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is akfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at with the dog.